Hello and welcome to BakaCast, uh, episode... You, you know what? I'm not sure anymore. E equals MC <laughs> squared. I'm not sure which episode this is. I think 375. I'll edit this in post if it's not. Uh, and it will be very obvious. Um, I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Ben. Yo. And Larry. Really? Yep, I'm here. you're here with us. Well, something's making noise that sounds like me, so... I know I'm barely here. I'm very tired. Uh, but yeah, so let's... Um, let's try and finish out this intro. Uh, you, you can find show notes for this episode at projectari.net and audioentropy.com. Uh, and on this episode of BakaCast, we're going to be talking about the Cowboy Bebop movie to sort of work as a capstone for the series review we just finished, uh, as well as the Castlevania uh, Season 2 that recently uh, aired on Netflix since we covered Season 1 earlier. Uh, we will go ahead and start with the Cowboy Bebop movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door, which I enjoyed quite a bit actually oh yeah it uh anyway it basically played like a better than average episode of bebop which yeah is fine <laughs> yeah like it was essentially uh god how how long was it like an hour almost and a half, two I hours say almost two hours so yeah like basically like a four-part episode essentially um that, yeah, that you know was it's not fantastic, but it's better than average. Starts Man. out like the Cowboy Bebop movie kind of does not care at all whether or not you've seen Cowboy Bebop before. It just like puts you in there. <laughs> yeah, which uh, I was actually just talking with, uh, just chatting with one of my uh, friends, Albino, um, uh, about it and. She told me that uh, her very the very first Cowboy Bebop Bebop thing she ever watched was the movie. Like she saw that before seeing any anything of the series, which is wild to me. Actually, that was the case for me too. Oh, really? Okay, so you both had yeah. that experience. So how she yeah, like I, she I, I she told it... me that it ended up working out pretty well for her because she was just like okay yeah we're just doing this and this is how these characters are because the movie kind of does introduce you immediately to what Spike and Faye and Jet's character types are. <sighs> you got to put Ed Nine in there, especially when Ayn is trying oh, yeah. to trying to play Shogi with yeah. So I so I'm curious, Ben. Like, how how was it like seeing the Cowboy Bebop movie before you had ever seen the series? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, like what they had in the movie was actually plenty enough to get a handle on the characters. Yeah, what's what's interesting is that they don't really do any exposition about. Uh, about Spike and Jet and Faye, um, like how if you like how for example if you are watching a typical Shonen Jump movie uh, about like say one of the thirty One Piece or uh, Naruto movies, 
you generally have a point in the movie early on where there's a segment where it's like, yeah, that's me. I'm Naruto. I'm a ninja from the Leaf Village who wants to be the fourth Hokage, and these are my best friends. Uh, Fourth Hokage was his father, but... Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's all relative. Uh, But this... They don't really do that here. It's just like, alright, here's... A robbery is happening in a convenience store, and Jet and Spike are here, and they're almost screwing up the rescue very badly, because that's who these people are. Um, No exposition, no awkward as you know. It's just Spike and Jet getting in an argument as the one robber who was in the bathroom at the time gets increasingly aggravated that they aren't paying attention to him. Well, because the head count was wrong, and that's what the argument started over. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're going to argue over something we have to argue over the head count. Head count's wrong. Yeah, because, yeah, because Jet and Spike are... have that sort of, like, weird kind of love-hate friendship where they will argue over literally anything at any time. <laughs> um... This this also this movie also like actually fits in well with the latter half of the series in that Faye is like one of the only reasonable people in the movie. <laughs> I know. Wait a minute. Yes. Faye, Faye Valentine and reasonable. That, that is a jump there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, that's what she was in the latter half, and that's why this episode fits in fits in nicely with the latter half of the series. Yeah, that's pretty much where it was designed to fit in. Yeah. Um, so sort of the basic plot structure of Knocking on Heaven's Door is there's this terrorist who served in the Martian military, I believe, um, yep. who was pronounced KIA. Uh, but he survived due to nanomachines, son. Um and now he is using those same nano machines to uh, basically threaten to wipe out the population of Mars. Which is a threat he um, never orally makes to the government. He's just going to do it to see how it happens. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we're... You know, it, it also... Yeah, it also turn it also turns out that the guy is sort of in it because you, basically because of like what he'd experienced, he sort of doubts his like he doubts whether reality is real. Yeah, yeah, because they mention they mention later on, like in near the end of the episode, that the way the nano machines work is that when they first infect you. They sort of, like, work their way up to your brain itself. Um, Well, he survived, but Also, like in a lot of Cowboy Bebop episodes, the true villain is capitalism. (laughs) Because, because like, ultimately, the the villain that caused all this to happen in the first place and to set this guy on this path, it was the drug corporation 
Who well, Mel- continue to try to cover cover things up. Yeah, well, you, you got the military that that asked for it, and then uh, when they found out their toy worked too terribly well, they're like, ah, uh, well, we need to sweep this all under the rug quick. Yeah, and we'll mind wipe the people who know about it, or just murder them. Either um, way works, yeah. So yeah, like it, it hits it hits all the normal beats of a Cowboy Bebop episode in that it is very sympathetic toward sort of the working class, extremely cynical about this about suits and basically anyone in a suit, anyone who's rich enough to own a suit and have a office on the fiftieth story with a window. Uh and like also is able to balance portraying its villain as like kind of a monster but one where you one where you it makes you feel pity for the fact that they became like that because you can see an alternate path where the bad things didn't happen to them and they lived a mostly normal existence um, sympathy for the devil yeah, because like the antagonist, like the 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 terrorist in in knocking on heaven's door, like he is not a good person, and like you absolutely want the ba- the the bebop crew to foil his plans, um, and honestly, like he even goes so far in that in one of the sequ- one of the few sequences I really didn't like so much, uh, he briefly like threatens to sexually assault Faye and like cuts her weird shirt thing open. Um, yeah. It does the clasp. Yeah. Which is a very different thing for the series to do. Um, because Faye has been kidnapped multiple times or put in danger multiple times in the series itself. But if I, I don't recall her never to that extreme. uh, yeah, there there was never the implication that she, that the violence was the violence threatened against her was sexual in nature. It was always like the same sort of violence that was threatened against Faye against like Spike and Jet when they were in trouble. Uh, and this episode, this movie definitely sort of breaks from that direction, and that's the first time that that kind of violence was ever suggested toward her. And I kind of didn't care for it um yeah especially especially because it just doesn't seem like that dude's mo in the first place (laughs) he can blame it on the butterflies yeah you even wondered like i mean well okay well also the thing about him the thing about him is that yeah, because one of the people who one of the people who figures into this is uh, his uh, ex girlfriend uh, from his old unit, Electra, uh, who was yeah, who was like you know on his trail trying to trying to stop him. You know, Electra trying to, trying is to... very good. <laughs> yeah, and but the thing is, is that because you know, yeah, because of what the nanomachines did to his mind. He doesn't remember her. Uh, I mean, the only way I can I can figure I can square like what he does to Faye is because he sort of is 
because he's sort of, uh, I don't know, something about Faye reminded him of Electra. Yeah, maybe. Like, it was the hair. That, that would have been an interesting direction to take it. Um, I mean, that, I mean, yeah, the thing is, is that the, uh, yeah, the movie just did... doesn't, the movie doesn't actually, yeah, the movie doesn't really connect the dots. Yeah, they, they didn't do enough work to really earn it, is the thing. But yeah, it's, it, that's one of the few things I, I want to get that out of the way, because it's one of the few things I didn't care for about the movie, because yeah. most every, most everything else was, like, pretty fun and like really solid um also like because it's a movie the animation is even more gorgeous than it usually is <laughs> yep uh mostly well the soundtrack's I... much better because it was dolby 5-1 oh wait a minute oh. yoko kano fan disclaimer Top. Yeah. done oh well, yes. Uh, I, I I love the insert songs. The in the insert songs were just on point. Yeah, the insert songs are very good. I I also want to like make a special shout out to sort of the um, intro sequence uh, with like the the black and white shots of just people in their daily lives going about. Um that like it's pretty clear that a lot of it was rotoscoped um mm -hmm. i love that intro sequence and i especially love like uh if if, if you're not interested in watching the movie at the very least like watch find that intro sequence on youtube i may even just link to it in the blog post but there is a sequence about a one minute ten seconds into that um intro song uh animation where this random dude walks by the camera and like he stops and then backs up to be center frame looks directly at the camera and does like a karate move mm. and it's it's the best <laughs> uh it, it really drives home the idea of Cowboy Bebop being very concerned and sympathetic toward, like, the average person. Um, because, like, that intro sequence especially, that, that is all just shots of it's, not of... it's not of the Cowboy Bebop cast at all. It's just of random, everyday people going about their lives and shooting them in such a way to humanize them um and say like these are these are the people that this show is ultimately about um and is trying to speak to and give a voice to um and so that that bit of the dude doing the karate move is really delightful to me uh because it immediately give it immediately endears you to just like this random person, um, that I think it, really strikes at the ethos of what Cowboy Bebop is. It's kind of like the little kid that comes up and waves at the camera and then walks on. Yeah, it, it's it's wonderful. So I just wanted to briefly mention that because I I love it so much. <laughs> 
Well, I'm glad to see there were things about the movie you liked. I mean, on the whole, it's it wasn't bad. The storytelling was spotty. Um, I do think it was a little longer than it needed to me to be, um, especially because like I really feel like it drags in the middle. Um, I wouldn't be. I can't really point out specific things to cut, but I do remember like being really into it in the beginning, and really into it in the end. And then there's just like that nebulous middle region where I'm like, yeah, "This is fine." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spike falls from the sky. Film at eleven. Uh, well, all the fight scenes were. The fight scenes were pretty good. Oh yeah, especially the two that especially stick out to me are uh, his fight with Elektra when he's dressed as a janitor and he's fighting with the broomstick, uh, as well as the um, uh, as well as the ship battle at the very end uh, were the two real standouts to me. Okay, somebody's internet's being twitchy again. Oh, did I cut out? Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, That's sorry about that. Um, oh, that's all right. It, it'll uh, be on the recording, but yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, anyway, I said, like, the, the two that really stood out to me were the fight where he had his broomstick um, against Electra and uh, the fight, uh, the, the, spa- the spaceship fight at the end. Yep. Well, not spaceship, I guess, but like whatever you call those sort of like mini crafts that they have. The fighters. Uh, space fighters. Yep. And now when, uh, yeah. when when they launched the old boy's airplanes and he's like, wow, they're flying. Oh, did that bring back some memories? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that sequence. I'm like, this sequence was made specifically for Larry. <laughs> well, you know. I, I am yeah. a member of the historical aircraft <clears throat> restoration. And it's got those three old guys flying the they're, crop duster. They're everywhere. I bombed the Bismarck. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> those, those those three guys. I mean, the if you want the comic relief for Bebop, is those three guys show up. It's like when he goes, yeah. to, you know, Spike goes up and goes to question. He says, "Oh yeah," he says, "We know who you are, and that's why we're leaving." It's like, <clears throat> okay, your reputation precedes you, huh? Yes. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need no cowboys around here. Okay. <clears throat> Anti-social bunch. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, it was, uh, there was, it had its moment. It's like every, everything we've watched, but this, this had some moments that were okay. And it had some moments that were, but on the whole, it's viewable. I, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fun watch. It's, uh, but it, it doesn't reach the, uh, it doesn't reach the heights of the best episodes of the show. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, no hard, it's no hard luck woman, but it's pretty good still. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's nothing that you would say, you know, watch two minutes and turn it off. I mean, it's it's not that, but it's you know, it's typical. It. it it's certainly better than a good chunk of some other Cowboy Bebop episodes. Um, yep. And, like, really, when you think of, like, a Cowboy Bebop movie, uh, 
You know, I mean, what else really would they have done? <laughs> like, because you can't... I, I, suppose, I suppose you could theoretically make a sequel, but, like, that feels so unnecessary. Well, and the other thing <laughs> is... Yeah, is, no, because... Like, you might as well, like, you might as well just make a just higher budget extended episode. Well, and the other thing is, is if anybody's watched the anime... Uh, there's this question of, oh, wait a minute, last time we saw Spike, he was falling from Vicious. Uh, yeah, because the thing about the show, the thing about the show is that the ending really was very conclusive. You really can't move on from that. Vicious falls from the sky, film of the weather. I mean, it's, well, more importantly, more importantly, what it does is it breaks, uh, is that even if Spike, even if Spike had lived, uh, you know, his relationship with Jet and Faye would have been broken. Because he broke it in order to basically... Avenge Julia. In order to deal with... In order to... In order to face his past. Well, and um, he avenged Julia, too, so... Yeah, and... Well, yeah. Because you know it's like face ain't so you're you're just gonna go you're gonna go and kill yourself yeah you know I mean you know, there's that long long fay I mean, drama there. I mean yeah like okay making a sequel making a sequel movie making it work you would have basically had to okay assume that he lived you know and uh, you know and somehow gets out of the hands of the. Uh, well, the what's left of the what's left of the syndicate after <laughs> after he and Vicious collect after he and Vicious like working from their own uh, working from different directions had basically like cut the heart out of it. Gutted it, uh, yes. Um, you know, yeah. I, so you uh, got to get him away from the syndicate, and you got to find, and you ha- you have to contrive some way of him getting back in touch with the crew when he had completely like you know, abandoned them. Yeah, but, you know, Faye completely abandoned them and she managed to get back. Now, the thing is, is that Ed and Nine were both missing, so that adds another layer to the, okay, how are we going to work this with Ed and Nine gone? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, that's the thing. The, the series was designed, the series, the, the series as a whole was designed with a, a conclusive end. Uh, yep. And so making a sequel making a sequel would have required so many plot contrivance contrivances that it just wouldn't have been worth it. Well, the only thing you could have done instead of a sequel would have been a prequel. Um yeah. You know where uh Well yeah, well how really- how how Ed Nine get or how Ein gets genetically altered to be the Ein that we know, and how Ed ends up, uh, you know, there, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of things you could have done. That's uh, not a, that's, that's not a movie, that's like a collection of, that's like a collection of, uh, standalone episodes. Uh, well, no, you could have put it on a timeline date back five years and, and probably filled in most of it because the, the series told us, you know, that, uh, Ed had been abandoned not that long ago and everything. I mean, you could, it could have worked if somebody really wanted to do it. If. Uh, 
Well, most of which you already knew. Most of which you already knew about their past was revealed in the show itself. I mean, you got yeah. I mean, you got Spike's history as a you know as a syndicate, you know. Yep. As a as a syndicate hitman, and uh, there was you know Jet's history as Remember Jet's the... history as a uh, as a you know ISS. As a cop. Yep. Yeah, and. Uh, I yeah, love Faiz, and I like that well, part her. where he's talking to his par- his former partner or whatever, saying, "No, oh, no," he says, "That's the reason I left the ISSP. It hasn't changed." <laughs> uh, of course, the thing is, is that Faye, I mean, Faye had only been unfrozen for three years. Yeah. So yeah, prequel not viable, sequel not viable. The series as a whole had a beginning and a middle and an end. Yep, and, and a uh, movie. The only thing, the only thing you could have done with a movie was, well, put it in the middle somewhere, and yep. that's what they did, and it worked fine. So, I'm gonna give this movie a four. Yep. Yeah, it's same score I, for me. I, I can live with a four. All right, so uh, let's move on to Castlevania season two then. The House of Dracula. Oh, oh man, uh, Castlevania is so so good. I mean, it's good. It, I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, but I could see where they could have tightened it up. They did not need eight episodes to tell this story. Uh, I I can kind of agree with that. Uh, but also, like for for some reason, I didn't mind this particular show being a little bit more meandery. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't a huge problem. It's just a that's. For me, that's just a minor nit that they could have tightened up the pacing just yeah. a bit. Uh, but I, this is, this is so again like very brief plot summary. Uh, I'm not. There will there will be spoilers for this season uh, in this review. Obviously, if you haven't seen it already, uh, go check it out. Um, it's I highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, I. This picks up directly after they meet up with team up with Alucard, um, and sort of the uh, sort of first part of it is Alucard and uh, Trevor and Sypha uh, going to um, Trevor's like ancestral home to uh, basically find. Uh, get equipped to defeat to kill Dracula. Um meanwhile Drac meanwhile like the Dracula side of the equation is all about vampire politics, which I was not expecting, but I ended up enjoying quite a bit. Um Yeah. Right. Espe- especially it. when Godbrand shows up and no one likes him. <laughs> Like, yeah. Like, Godbrand just shows up and he's like, hey, everybody, I heard we were here to feast on a bunch of humans and have a good, and have a nice party. And Dracula's like, no, I just, we're, we're not having a party. <laughs> and Carmilla is just extremely fed up with him, too. <laughs> And everyone just wishes Godbrand would shut up. <laughs> and it's wonderful. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, what was, what was also interesting about the vampire side stuff was the relationship between Dracula and the uh, two humans that he has working for him. Yeah, the Forge Masters, um, Hector and uh, what's Isaac. the other guy's name? Isaac, yeah. Because, uh, like, they're the only two humans that Dracula has on the team. And he specifically picked them because their tragic backstories make them hate humanity for fairly fairly understandable reasons, especially in the case of, I think Hector is the black guy, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, Hector is the what? Uh, Hector, ha- is Hector the black guy? I th- no, that was Isaac. Oh, okay. So all Hector right, was Isaac. the guy. Hector was the guy who kept on reanimating animal, re- right? Dead animals. Hector uh, was the gullible one. <laughs> and, and yeah, and Carmilla just jerks them around mercilessly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Isaac, Isaac especially uh, has a sympathetic backstory because like his whole existence is like being a. Uh, like just being sold like being in a terrible life of slavery until like he kills his master in a cathartically brutal fashion and then dracula basically adopts him um and like it it kind of plays into the fact it, it very much plays into the idea that Dracula in this anime is well in this animated show is like pretty sympathetic honestly like obviously you don't want him to kill all humans but you kind of want to kill some of the humans thin down the herd a bit huh especially the church oh yeah oh my well those guys oh yeah they need to die in a fire yeah no you absolutely want him to just destroy those guys um yeah so it's it's interesting in that like dracula's not really the he's not really a true villain because even dracula isn't super into being evil or being a murderer murderer like he just he's just so angry and so tired and just wants to not have this happen to him and the people he cares about over and over. Um, and it even plays like, and that's directly addressed in some of the episodes themselves where Carmilla calls him out on it and says like, yeah, your, your heart's not really into this war thing. Like you're just, you're just tired. You just want to die. <laughs> um, yeah, and Dracula Dracula is essentially just very depressed. And this is and and murder is his way of dealing with his depression. Um That's an interesting way to look at things. Uh but yeah, it's 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 interesting in that like ultimately the actual like asshole antagonist of this series is Carmilla, who's kind of manipulating everyone, you know, to give herself more power. Um, which kind of works and kind of doesn't. Uh, because her plans are sort of screwed up by Sypha teleporting the castle every which way. 
Which, man, that was a really good sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also Cypher. like how... Cypher is amazing. Cypher is fantastic. Like, Alucard and Trevor are fun. Like, they're good... They're real good protagonists, and they play off each other very well. Um, they've got a really great friendly <laughs> antagonism going on. Um, but Sypha is just the best. Um, and she also has some of the coolest battle moments, especially uh, fighting against that one vampire where she's like using the ice sheet in a variety of different ways. And ends up just like bisecting him. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. It was so good. <laughs> and the like, funny thing is, I saw it coming, and I still loved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the sequence where Sypha's like, "Yay, I teleported it," and Alucard's like, "Okay, but where did you teleport it?" And she's like, "Directly on top of us." On, on top of, like, the hollowed-out underground cavern. We should probably leave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I laughed out loud at that bit. It's... The show's very funny, uh, and it's got... And, like, the delivery of its lines are subdued in a way that I'm not used to seeing from voice acting. Like, everyone has an extremely dry wit... Except for, like, Sypha, who also has a dry wit, but, like, it also is, like, 50% more enthusiastic with her voice lines than most everyone else. But, like, that's clearly intentional, because everybody else is just sick of everything that's happening around them. Um, well, yeah, because... Well, and, and that plays into their, like, backstories because, you know, I mean, Sypha was basically spent all her time, like, you know, hanging out with, like, her, I guess, the speakers. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, and so this whole, this whole, uh, this whole series is uh, her opportunity to cut loose. Yeah, and, like, ultimately the adventure kind of is spurred on by her. Because she's the one who sort of manages to convince Trevor to stop being a drunk asshole and do something good for once. Uh, and also uh, sort of goads him into teaming up with Alucard as well. Um, so ultimately, like, she's kind of the driving force, which makes sense that she would also be uh, more enthusiastic about the whole adventure. Uh, but also it makes for, like, a funny contrast in that Alucard and Trevor are both these these very like uh, cynical sarcastic guys who are just fed up with they're fed up with life and Sypha is the one who is very very enthusiastic about like ooh it's a cool castle <laughs> uh, yeah um, also, just the 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 fight scene choreography in this season is really really good. Um, like especially like when uh, Trevor gets the Morningstar whip, uh, yep. which is like this metal whip with a um, almost lantern esque sort of 
tip on the end where like if you hit a vampire with the tip of the whip like it just makes a small explosion and then the vampire dies uh and the way the way they animate the impact and the sound effects they use make it sound like it really hurts to get hit by that whip uh and it's, it's just a really great fusion of animation and like sound design um, and yeah, choreography. Yeah, what I also like is the way the uh, like the the way the whip moves uh, lends itself to some interesting tactics. Yeah, because it it, belie- it it behaves you know like a whip does, and that it because a whip is essentially just a bunch of segmented chains. Like when you do things to the whip like it things don't immediately happen to the end of the whip like there's a sort of cause and effect relationship there's a there's a delay in a ripple like motion yeah there's a ripple effect that's that's a much better term than what i was going for but yeah so it lets you do like really wild stuff yeah um yeah, and then, like, also just, there's a lot of cool stuff about the fight scene with Dracula, but I, I sort of don't want to spend too much time on the fight scene itself, because it's just, it'd just be a bunch of, like, trying to explain choreography, um, which doesn't work too well, so well in the audio medium. Um, I will briefly mention I really like the sort of pseudo-beam struggle they have, where Dracula summons a giant lava boulder. Uh and then they push it back with a combination of Sypha's wind magic, uh, Alucard pushing against it with the tip of his sword, and uh, Trevor just kind of like supporting Sypha with his back. Uh, yeah. So in other words, the words Kameha Kameha are not used yet? No, not... It, oh, okay. No, but yeah. it is very much a beam struggle, though. Yes. Um like i i love how the fight with dracula ends because there is no like dramatic finishing blow what happens is that and this is honestly like my absolute favorite scene in the entire series is where dracula is fighting with alucard and uh he punches alucard through a door and uh, Dracula quickly realizes that the room they're now fighting in is Alucard's bedroom from when he was a child and uh, his mother was still alive. And the... I cannot possibly do justice to the way these lines are read uh, by Dracula's voice actor. Um, but he's he says, like, I the, th- the first thing he says is I'm I'm killing my boy. And the way he says it is the most heartbreaking thing in the universe. And it is a it is an incredible feat of voice acting. Like it's I cannot think of a better way you could deliver that line. Um and there's just with just a few simple lines you sort of see that like dracula doesn't want to be doing this he's he he isn't he isn't actually like 
wanting to do this fight. It just he feels like this is the only thing left for him. Uh, and when he kind of snaps out of his depression and his stupor and realizes like what his what his depression has caused, he just gives up. Um, yeah, he just he just lets uh he basically lets Alucard stake him. Yeah, and like when Alucard kills his kills Dracula, it is the saddest you will ever be about seeing that Dracula get murdered, <laughs> like uh because it's just depressing all around because during that whole sequence, like you think about what could have been if like. Alucard's mother had not died. Like if she had stayed alive, their family could like could still be whole again, and Dracula could just be like this kind of creepy weirdo who hangs out in a castle, but is otherwise like pretty like, but is otherwise like pretty innocuous. Hmm. Uncle um, Drac, huh? Yeah, and like it. it it makes you sad for what could have been. Um, it is an amazing sequence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Except the uh, yeah. The thing is, uh, this that whole sequence happens at the end of episode seven, leaving an entire episode of wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Which I I will agree that it it does kind of take away a little bit from that amazing finale of the fight that the epilogue is as long as it is um i kind of wish that some stuff was rearranged a bit so that the uh final fight against dracula could be a little closer to the like what i feel is the true denoma which is um uh trevor bequeathing his estate to alucard and then out, Trevor and Sypha riding off into the sunset to go on more adventures while Alucard sort of lets himself cry for the first time. Um, like, that That should be, like... Like, that should happen a lot closer to Dracula's death and then be the last thing we see. Um... I do I do like the um epilogues for the Forge Masters and for Camilla. I think yeah. they're pretty important, but also I I think I think I do agree that they they could have been shuffled around a bit so that there wouldn't be so much space between the final fight and the actual like ending. Uh more importantly, they could have been tightened up a bit. Yeah, that too. I think uh, I think that whole like I think the last episode basically could have been done in half an episode. Yeah, and I, and I think like what what kind of supports your idea is that I binge watched episodes um, one through seven of the second season, and then just waited like a week to watch episode eight. Because, like, I kept forgetting that there was an episode 8. I was like, oh, yeah, I've still got one more episode left. Because episode 7 felt like the ending. 
Um, but yeah, it's it it is a shame that like uh, episode eight is sort of like weirdly structured for where it comes in. Um, because w without that, I think like the this season it would be nearly perfect. But yeah, I I loved Castlevania season two. Um, it's very 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 good. Uh, I will definitely give it a four. four? I yeah I I very well, actually you know what no like I'll give it a five. I, I liked it enough that like yeah there were there were flaws but yeah I I'm I love this show. You're, you're... I'm giving I'm giving I'm giving it a four because uh, yeah <coughs> the uh, I think the the story structure was a little wonky uh, but the you know the content was top notch yeah no, I um, love the characters absolutely and I very much look forward to future seasons like I hope I hope it did as I hope it did as well as I think it did that it has earned additional seasons like. It seemed like there was a lot of buzz about it when it came out. So, but like with but like with Netflix series, like who knows? Man. Yeah, yeah, we are talking uh, Netflix here. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally pumped to see more of the continuing adventures of Trevor and Sypha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, also I love that when Trevor says goodbye to Alucard, Alucard just gives him the finger. <laughs> oh, man. It's amazing. Alucard's so good. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, that'll be it. That'll do it for our reviews this week. A bit of a shorter <laughs> one this time, which is fine, because we needed a little break, I think. Um, we've got a document now with a few, with several ideas here. Do we want to do? Do we want to do Gene Shaft and Planet With? Um. Well. Uh. How about uh, Fully Cooly Alternative? Oh right, yeah, we should do Fully Cooly. Do Do we want to do Fully Cooly and then like one of the movies in this list? Uh, let's see. Cause like. I'm going to suggest Fooly Cooly and a silent voice. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'd be down for that. I think I could sleep through that. That sound good to you, Larry? Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. So we'll plan on that. If you want to, if you want to follow along with us, uh, we will be doing, um, Fooly Cooly. It's progressive or alternative. Alternative. We Alternative. already did progressive. Yeah, we, we already, already did uh, progressive. Yeah, I know. I know we did one of them already. I just couldn't re couldn't remember which order they went in. Um, so we'll be doing Fully Cooly Alternative and a Silent Voice. Um, the uh, recent, uh, well, the 2016 movie uh, produced by Kiwani. Um Yeah, and that'll be our uh, reviews for the next recording. Uh, and I think once we're through with that, we'll. I'll probably do a retro review. Larry has Larry has mentioned Gene Shaft so often. I feel like we have to watch that. 
soon. No, unfortunately, <laughs> unlike ice, I'm not going to push it down anybody's throat. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, the thing about ice was that that's the kind of thing that you kind of have to see once, but And then never, never again. again. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, look, you know, we, we made it through Fractal, and I thought that that's was true. bad, but... Uh, no, I, I, uh, I would take I would probably take ice over fractal, mostly because ice is yeah. shorter to watch. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't hate fractal. I mean, it turned into a mess at the end, but I didn't hate it. Well, it we were okay until the end, and the end. Well, I had lots of issues. The, the end the end of that should have been the end about three episodes sooner. <laughs> But that's a story right. for another time. And it's in the archives if you guys really want to go looking for it. <laughs> yeah, it was the Wayback Machine. Yeah, um, uh, anyway, so yeah, that'll be it for this ep- episode of BakaCast. Um, I'm also probably going to uh, try watching at least a few episodes of the new She-Ra series to give my, so I can give my thoughts on, on that on the next recording too. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm going to give that a look as well. Uh, I don't have Netflix, so that's okay. I will. I will be. He'll next, suffer I will for be both the of Netflix us. Netflix boy in your stead. He'll he'll suffer for both of us if necessary. Well, from what I've heard, Shira is pretty fun, so I don't think I'll suffer that much. Well, okay. Um, it's, <laughs> you never know anyway, until you turn on the tube. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SilstaGM. You can follow me on Twitter at DeathLinky. Uh, I'm not followable. Yeah, you can send Larry messages via Carrier Pigeon. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you on... You can leave comments and questions on <laughs> our blog at projectari.net or on audioentropy.com or by sending us an email at bakacast at projectari.net. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's why that was canned laughter. <laughs> Ben, Dustin, three, two, one, Kiribush. Kiribush. Ta ta, y'all. Later's. <laughs>